Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Hello. Hello. Welcome. (laughs) It's a podcast. (laughs) Surprise. Surprise. This isn't the haunted mansion. Uh-oh. We're, it's not even close to Halloween. What are we doing? It's something I want. <laughs> it's getting hot and I'm mad. Yeah. Welcome to summer. I don't like the it. Historically I think I was badass broads podcast. Do you know what I was reading? I was reading something about that we've just been conditioned to like summer because that's when we got time off from school. And I agree. Summer sucks. That's interesting. The physical. I always thought it was the sun. I mean, the 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 warmth and the sun. I think are better for seasonal have, affective disorder, folks. I know that you're the opposite, but I think I in have general, seasonal affective disorder when the sun is out. Yeah, and I'm yes. happiest when it's nice and gray. Right. We got to get you to England. I know. I'm trying. I'm trying. Yeah. Scotland, my favorite place on earth. Right. Um, yep. Yeah. All right. We'll no, just so ship it, you off. I'm tr- I'm really trying. I want a cow. <laughs> I want Darcy oh, to yeah. run around being the a free little cows. boy on his native land. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I think he's actually technically from like the Lake Region, w- w- like Wales, but uh, they've got hmm. him in Scotland, and he looks great right. in tartan. Yeah. We so, should post a picture. A beautiful dog. Yeah. Anyway, this is historically ballast broads, and we talk about it's true. Awesome women from history, or just women from history, frankly, at this point. Uh, no, I'm kidding. Awesome ladies from history. Always that, awesome. Always. Because we are, as a whole, pretty great, mm. um, gender-wise. True. Pretty. Yes. There are exceptions to every rule, but I'm just going to go ahead and say it. And On the um, whole, yeah. Yeah. These are women you should have learned about in school, or in life, or learned anything accurate about. Most of the time- yeah. You've either never never heard of them or never heard anything accurate about them. So, yeah. trying to trying to fix that, trying to fix one it one story also, at a time. I find so much inspiration from other people's life stories, right? And hmm. they're just yeah. some of these women are the most incredible, the mm-hmm. most. And yeah, I find it a great motivating factor. So I'm excited. So let us let us find out who this lady of the month is. Por favor. This lady of the month is yes. someone from a region of the world that I am not an expert in, in the least. Okay. I've had to do a okay. lot of background research, and it's not mm-hmm. as in-depth as I would have liked mm-hmm. because I didn't give myself enough time to go to the library. It's fine. Um, so. <laughs> hey, we have we have stuff going on. We do. I have a lot of work, studying. We're allowed. We're anyway, allowed. Everything's fine. However, everything's great. what yes. I have enjoyed about this person is I had read her most famous work years ago, and I'm now seeing um, 
how important that was. So mm. <laughs> we're going to talk about Murasaki Shikibu. She is famously known as the author of The Tale of Genji. Mm. Have you heard of The Tale of Genji? I have. Yeah. Have you read it or parts of it? It's a thousand pages long or more. It's a lot. I'm not, I I don't think so, but I do, the name is familiar. Mm -hmm. It is, it's one of the world's first novels, like novel. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. It was written in an archaic form of Japanese and also Chinese. We'll get into that. Um, But it's Mm -hmm. an incredible piece of literature and it's, it's so interesting and it's such a deep exercise into people. Mm. And what I love is that Genji like sucks. Like I don't like him as the main character, as the Mm -hmm. protagonist of the piece. Mm-hmm. I don't like him. We'll get into why. There's a lot of reasons why for the record. A lot. So many. But um, <laughs> like most of them, they're all reasons. But stay tuned. <laughs> stay tuned. But I find the ways in which she wrote him, the ways in which she described the world around her. She also wrote very famously a diary um, of Lady Murasaki. It's very famous. And I actually had read that before as well. And again, I'm now seeing mm. like, oh, this is so much more interesting when I have any background about the time period. Um, so mm-hmm. <laughs> it's it's been really exciting. And I'm, I love when I don't know things because then I get to learn and that makes me happy. Because sometimes it's like I reabsorb the same stuff and there's something really comforting about reading about Eleanor of Aquitaine for the 800th time, even though I'm like, well, I know this, but that's fine. I still find mm-hmm. it like exciting too. Like when I see her name, I'm like, oh, someone knows. Like, of course they do. Yeah, She's extremely yeah, famous, yeah. but it still like brings me, <laughs> makes my heart skip a little, you know? Yeah. But Murasaki Shikibu is someone, or Shikibu, I've heard different pronunciations and I don't speak Japanese um, at all. So I'm so sorry. I'm going to do my best. I've listened to a lot of pronunciations, but there are a lot mm-hmm. of names and I'm just going to try really hard. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, just reading about her actual life and going into the stories of her that obviously filtered into what she wrote and why. Mm, it's exciting. That's, I love talking about authors because we actually have like something Their about words. them. Yeah. yeah. How many times am I like, well, here's what we think. <laughs> from things right. written from a bunch of men yeah, yeah who wrote from the household receipts what they thought I mean, yeah <laughs> honestly though those are great to mine data from household receipts books anyway Love. guys i'm taking you back to one of my favorite time periods darcy's excited about it we're going <laughs> that was a cheer to the mid end of the 10th century Tis the middle Ooh. ages folks before that turn of the century you know what i mean or millennium. Sure. Millennia. Millennium is one. I took Latin. Sure. I swear. So Murasaki Shikibu, let's just start with that. That's not her name. We have no idea what her name is. Um, it's not uncommon that daughters' names were not written down. So that's not shocking or Love. surprising. It is still mm-hmm. disheartening. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Well, they mattered less, so that's... Well, of course. Of course. And we're going to... I mean, <laughs> early Japanese culture is really interesting. It's so deeply ingrained. I mean, it's mm-hmm. unbelievably misogynistic. And... Of course. I've not been to Japan, but I was just recently speaking with a friend who spent 
I think at least two years there teaching English. Mm. And it was really interesting to hear her perspective as like a young woman there. Um, mm-hmm. Really, really interesting. So uh, good or bad. In over a thousand years, not much has changed. Um, okay, great. But like same in the world, but we just call it something yeah. different. Um, yeah. So around 973 or 974, in Heian which Wild. is part of Kyoto in Japan, a little girl was born. <laughs> and she was born to the least one of the least important branches of the Fujiwara clan, which was a very important family that like they were completely in charge of the country. Like mm. it, it there ends up being quite a few people, but very specifically um Fujiwara no Mishinaga and he is he effectively rules Japan mm-hmm. um and can dethrone and enthrone emperors and like it, these are it's an extremely powerful family there's a lot of different family clans but this is very powerful she just happened to be born in a branch of it that's not that powerful mm-hmm. um so her like they hadn't really – yeah, they're more provincial. So she's kind of growing up away from the court necessarily. And mm-hmm. so she is being – yeah, her dad, Fujiwara no Tamitoki, he was a writer. He was a scholar of Chinese classics. So at the time, there's still quite an interesting relationship between China and Japan. Mm-hmm. Japanese – the the Japanese – people didn't really have a written language, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Um, they obviously had a great like oral traditions and incredible artistic traditions, but as a written language, they didn't really have that. And so they used and they took the Chinese script and started mm. adapting it for themselves. But what they realized is the original Chinese characters couldn't really fully encompass like the kind of verse nature of Japanese, the lyrical, like more loquacious part of that language. So they kind of started adapting it. And so you see a bunch of different types of scripts that are coming Mm. out around this time period, which is really interesting. Mm -hmm. Um, So her father's a scholar of Chinese classics and poetry. Again, this is Chinese classics at a time when like we would consider things to be like, pre-classic era but this is why the eastern part of the world has such unbelievably rich traditions is because these things have been studied and learned and are continuing to have been doing so for thousands of years plural so yeah it's just amazing so by the time she's born he's like a minor official he's then given a governorship her mom no idea um also part of the fujiwara family but not the same or no she's the same branch but like not immediately related although intermarriage mm-hmm. and even things we would consider vaguely incestual like marrying of half siblings mm. did happen um okay but yeah so she was born there were two daughters and her we don't really know where she fits in with that i think she may have been the youngest so she lived with her dad even though it seems like most likely most children were raised with their mothers in um Haiyan era japan 
the women and the men were kept very separate. Women were beautiful objects to look at, but they were not to be seen. Or yeah, okay. they weren't really to be seen either. They were often behind screens. And if you saw them, you saw parts of their very elaborate robes, which are hmm. beautiful. Oh my gosh. Um, but it, it they weren't active members of society. They were restricted from that. Um, mm. But what's interesting is they then ha- developed all of their own cultures. I'm not going to call it a subculture because, God, women were over half the freaking population. I'm losing my mind. Okay. So I'm not going to call it a subculture. It's just a different culture. They created their own <laughs> culture of incredible yeah. literature and poetry and music and art. And so that's happening simultaneous to the boring crap that men were doing. Um, Badass. Government. Dumb shit. Anyway. Mm-hmm. But she was raised with her dad, not her mom, which is really interesting, and with her her brother. So mm-hmm. it seems like her mom died when she was pretty young. Her mm. uh, polygamy was practiced. I don't know if her father had multiple wives, but we do know that she has a couple half-sisters. Um, okay. This is when Japan starts becoming more isolated. This is far before – it's about 600 years before the main period of isolation that Japan becomes really well known for. But mm-hmm. it's still like part of that general trend. And so you see men are to write in Chinese. It's very formal. Mm-hmm. And that's seen as the the official language. But women were not supposed to be taught Chinese. Like it was like they were too – what was the word someone used? It was too strong for them. Something ridiculous. So sure. she – yeah, it's just really – yeah. Oh, yeah. What it's okay. Luis Perez explains that quote: "Women were thought to be incapable of real intelligence, and therefore were not educated in Chinese." Great. Nothing we haven't heard before. Um, no. Still infuriating. So <laughs> she is growing up, however, in her father's household with her brother, and she's just like like eavesdropping into her brother's Chinese lessons. And of course, because she's brilliant and she's just like learning it so much better than him. So she kept this amazing diary, like I mentioned. And in it, she wrote, when my brother was a young boy learning the Chinese classics, I was in the habit of listening to him. And I became unusually proficient at understanding those passages that he found too difficult to understand and memorize. Father, Mm -hmm. a most learned man, was always regretting the fact that just my luck, he would say, what a pity she was not born a man. (laughs) So great. She said that others saw her as, quote, pretentious, awkward, difficult to approach, prickly, too fond of her tales, haughty, prone to versifying, disdainful, cantankerous, and scornful. And I'm obsessed. I'm sure she was lovely. (laughs) But also, like, I think she's proud of that. Yeah. She's like, yeah, this is how people see me. I I will say, though, I don't feel that there's a shame. She probably was just being, um, herself yeah yeah she was being like a a normal human being probably and that was crazy i bet (laughs) totally yeah normal human being with um a personality well yeah but that's that's just not allowed (sighs) no i know i know (laughs) yeah it's too much (laughs) yeah it's really okay that's cool though those are great adjectives yeah and so yeah so this is another bit she says so all they see of me is a facade There are times when I'm forced to sit with them, and on such occasions, I simply ignore their petty criticisms, not because I'm particularly shy, but because I consider it pointless. And as a result, they call her all those things. And then she goes, so they say, we've heard all these things, but when you meet her, she's strangely meek, a completely different person altogether. 
She goes, how embarrassing. Do they really look upon me as such a dull thing? I wonder. But I am what I am. Her Majesty, she ends up working for an empress, has also remarked that more than once she had thought I was not the kind of person with whom she could ever relax, but that I have now become closer to her than any of the others. I am so perverse and standoffish. Hmm. If only I can avoid putting off those for whom I have a genuine regard. (laughs) Interesting. So I love her so much. Incredible. Yeah. Um, So that's when I say I'm like, I don't think she's feeling that. Yeah, but she. It. It's, I think she's kind of lovely that she's just like can't control it. It's just yeah. how I feel. <laughs> like, yeah. Oh, if and only I... I could pretend to like the people that I don't like, but guess I can't. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of great. <laughs> it is really, really good. So she's growing up, and she becomes just really well known for her mastery of Chinese literature, music, calligraphy, Japanese poetry. Mm. And all of this is basically in flagrant disregard for women. Um, right. They weren't even allowed to speak with men unless they were like related to them or they were in their household. Like that mm-hmm. wasn't a thing. Right. What's really, really interesting is, and that's pretty much all we know about her childhood, by the way. I don't know anything else really um, other than it seems like I said she was raised with her dad, not her mom, because it's I, I think her mother would have died when she was quite young and that mm-hmm. um, she was very learned. Um, so she didn't get married right away. She got married potentially in her mid to late twenties and even early thirties. <gasps> no way. Oh my no God. Way. So yes. Whoa. How modern. Yeah, I know. But what's interesting too, is her dad, as she's becoming this really interesting intellectual, he like takes her to places like women weren't supposed to really travel for more than five days. Like, they wouldn't go somewhere mm-hmm. unless it, it took more than five days to get there. But, like, her dad took her there. And it seems like she went with him when he got his governorship and so on. But then she comes back to Kyoto and what is now Kyoto. And it seems like they finally have arranged a marriage for her. It's her dad's friend and a second cousin who's a lot older than her, potentially 20 years older. Fujiwara no um, Nobutaka, and Mm -hmm. he was a bureaucrat at the Ministry of Ceremonials, and apparently he was a very talented dancer. So he had many wives. We don't know what number she was. He had a lot of kids. He continued to have a lot of women around his life, and um, it seems like he would have been very, very wealthy. And it seems like either they had a good or bad relationship, no one knows. (laughs) that's helpful could we tell if he was supportive of her being a little different i don't think he would have married her if it was something Mm -hmm. he couldn't Mm -hmm. stand i mean there Mm -hmm. were a lot of women and there were very high standards and i think he wouldn't have entertained having someone like that in his household so we yeah, we don't really know how she felt about him. People try to argue. There are some scholars who say that, oh, in her poems, you can tell she hated him. And some were like, no, they were happy. And we, I just, I don't, A, I don't know enough to make a great commentary about it. But it also seems like the people who are experts also have not come to a consensus. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah. We know she had a daughter who was born in the year 999. How exciting. Iconic. And then in... 10,002. These numbers are crazy. I know. Yeah. Her husband died during a cholera epidemic. Oh my gosh. 
cholera baby been around for a long time. Jeez. Yeah, so sad. Um, but because she was married, she and her husband was very wealthy and had a good position in court, she would have had like servants and she would have been able to do lots of stuff. So it's debated whether or not she had started writing the tale of Genji before he died or during mm-hmm. or after like he was dying. Mm-hmm. But it seems like she says, and I'm going to pull up if I can, the exact Kurut. Mm-hmm. It seems like when she describes um, him having passed, she's very confused. I think she sees that um, – I'll just read what I see here. She goes, I felt depressed and confused. For some years, I had existed from day to day in listless fashion, doing little more than registering the passage of time. The thought of my continuing loneliness was quite unbearable. So Mm. then we get into the state of legendariness. Legendary? (laughs) Yeah, legendariness is great. Yeah. Thank you. Honestly, at this point, I can't tell if that's a real word or not. What would be the right word? Enter a state of legend. Ugh. But yeah, you're right. Okay, thank you. No, 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 you're right. I just... No, I like yours better, though. You know what? She's creative. I can be creative. Yeah. Look at us being inspired by the ladies. Wow. Wow. So it seems like on an August night, having retreated to the Ishiyamadera at the Lake Biwa, Mm. she was looking at the moon and was inspired to write the tale of Genji. Not a clue. Okay. Not a clue if that actually happened. Okay. However, Mm. it seems like around her mid-30s is when she would have started writing it. So either while her husband's still alive, because it's not like she would have had to see him all the time. Get a lot of women to go back. It's a lot of work. Polygamy. Um, Oh, absolutely. Have you watched the... um, Oh, whatchamacallit. It's the documentary about the Mormons. Oh, Happy Something, the Duggar family? No, that one, unreal. Highly recommend Shiny Happy People. Oh my God. Shiny Happy People. Also, it explains Uh, a lot about the radicalization of the evangelical political front. Highly recommend. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Um, Also, insane. No, there was another one about the FLDS, the fundamental. (gasps) Yes. Yes. That was so good. Be sweet. Uh, Keep sweet. Keep sweet and obey, right? Something um, like that. That came across how exhausting that was it was. great. Would be. That one was great. Yeah, I mean, it's awful. I, I, I feel it awful, was awful for everybody. But the woman who, um, one of the girls who was married off at 14 and ended up being one of the main reasons that Warren Jeffs was put behind prison because she actually testified. Mm-hmm. Elisa Wall, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, I read her book. It was incredible. Highly recommend. Ooh. A yeah. long digression. No, no. But we also know that the, the women would have Irrelevant. had... Relevant. Relevant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There would have been a lot of kids and she would have had time. Um, right. Regardless, it seems like at this point she's kind of becoming known for her writing. It could have been because she would have given copies of chapters of it to her friends and then they would have copied them down and then continued passing it. So like a word of mouth literal thing. Mm. Mm-hmm. And it, she could have gained this reputation... Or it could have just been that, like, she was friends with cool people who were like, you got to read. Or, Mm -hmm. you know, she's writing this amazing tale. Regardless, she gets invited to become a lady-in-waiting at the court. Mm -hmm. 
And it seems it's pretty late for her to have been that, but it also, there's a couple debates. Some people think that, remember how I'd mentioned Fujiwara no uh, Mishinaga, who's like the guy who could make an emperor or break an emperor. Mm. He is at the height of his power right now. And it seems like, I mean, he basically has married four of his daughters to Mm -hmm. emperors. Like she's done, he's done the most. He's done the most. So, um, yeah, wild. So he either, some people say that she was brought there as his concubine. I don't think that's the case. Um, but some people do think that he brought her there to educate his daughter, Shoshi. Shoshi. So that could have also been the case. And I believe Shoshi ends up becoming an empress. Um, Hmm. yeah. So very cool. So she's there. She's at court. And this is the Heian culture is wild. So the nobility is becoming isolated. Like I said, there's this compound at the palace. It, it's almost like I would equate it to a degree to Versailles when mm. Louis Fourteenth is like, y'all have to stay here. And it becomes this like microcosm of a world, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It has its own culture. It has nothing to do with reality. It, it's all about artistic court life and micro stuff like it, it's wild right it's kind of like yeah. that it's a micro but what's world. interesting yeah truly truly so kind of picture that except way more fabulous mm-hmm. like robes and crazy hairdos that i, I would call crazy oh, i course. mean the the 17th 18th century hairdos whimsical i i do have to say one of my favorite time periods for clothing is the 18th century in France. Fair enough. England. God, I love it. Mm. Anyway. But now that I've seen these robes, if it if I could do it in a respectful way, and because I think that they're the most beautiful thing in the world, I would like to see what it's like to put on that many layers. Oh, it'd be so cool. Anyway, we'll post pictures, guys. We'll post pictures. We'll manifest that for you. Oh my God, thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah, of course. Um, of course. So... It seems like, I mean, it's, this is a colorful culture. They're layering, the layering of the clothing is a very specific thing. It sends messages. So like I had mentioned, women sit behind screens. Um, But you, what you would be able to see is the sides of their sleeves and the bottom of the skirt. So you'd see the layering of the colors and the textiles and the different fabrics. And you Mm. could see, you could kind of discern who was behind the screen based on that. Like mm-hmm. it was such a way to show personality. And also the court would like change its colors depending on the season and the mood like of the court. Really cool. Mm-hmm. Really cool. And so the women and the, the noble women, the hand noble women had floor length hair. Mm-hmm. Wild. With often shorter, what looks like a shoulder length haircut in the front. So like the oh. most mullet mullet. Wow. So shoulder length hair in the front with the longest hair in the world in the back. These unbelievable robes. I do not know how to express how beautiful they are. Holy cow. Layers of robes. Layers. And you would, they'd all be different. Be so cool. Gorgeous. Gorgeous. Whitened skin. Yeah. And something I knew but hadn't thought too much about. Blackened teeth. I did not know about this. Yeah. Blackening teeth. What's interesting 
is this is a fairly old practice and it's not, it wasn't just done in Japan. Um, it was, there's a funny quote I read where they were, I, cause I was really curious about the process of it. Cause I, I had seen it in different calligraphy and different, um, beautiful sketches and paintings, but I hadn't really thought too much about it. I was just like, huh, okay. Um, and I knew, but again, I hadn't like questioned, like, what is that all about? Why are they doing it? I'm curious. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't, I don't believe this was the intention, but what's interesting is it actually ended up being a protectant of the enamel of your teeth. So they had much better health. Their teeth were in much better shape than everyone else. Um, well, the middle ages, early middle ages wasn't bad because they didn't have sugar. The moment you get sugar in England, which is like, well, everywhere in Europe, really refined sugar, um, Mm -hmm. it all goes to pot. But at this point, yeah, their teeth are in much better shape than everyone else's. It's a curious mixture and you had to apply it every couple of days to have an even coat. So this was a very rigid standard of beauty and fashion. And it included having that whitened skin and the blackened teeth. You would shave your eyebrows off and put them on in very specific ways. It was just a completely Mm -hmm. very rigid um, Mm -hmm. standard. And the blackened teeth, one courtier who would have had like seen someone without them was like really disconcerted by like the white teeth. He called them like weird raw worms and he didn't like it. Strong description. Yeah, he really hated it. (laughs) And this continued for years. I mean, there are, there are actual photographs of women with blackened teeth. So it, it's a, just a different beauty standard. And it's, yeah, again, like turns out really good for like protects your teeth. Um, so like I mentioned earlier, the women and the men are completely separated. And in doing so, the women form their own incredible culture. And of course, cause it's women, it's like really beautiful and creative and aesthetically pleasing. Um, not that men aren't capable but <laughs> you know what I mean. So I some of the great literature that's written and considered the greatest in ja- the Japanese culture was written by um, Heian women and noble mm-hmm. women during this time period. Mm-hmm. So the emperor, Empress Shoshi has gotten married. She is 12. Yeah. And okay, uncommonly so... Because what's interesting, the Emperor um, Ishijo had wives already, but he, Teishi, and she had already an eldest son. But what's interesting Mm -hmm. is Mishinaga had Shoshi named Empress with Teishi, and that had never happened. No one had ever, there were no like concurrent Empresses, no co-Empresses. So Teishi Teishi was the lustrous. I don't know. He just did it. Okay. But he just did it. I don't know what else to say. But how did how did they operate together? Um did, did it change hmm. anything? Does it change anything? I don't to have know to? if it changed that much, but it definitely increased Shoshi's standing in the court. Sure. Got it. Which therefore would have increased even more his influence. Right. So Teishi was the lustrous air bearer, mm-hmm. and Shoshi gave a, was given a new title called mm-hmm. the Inner Palatine. Okay. Great names. Sure. 
And that's a couple years later is when Mishinaga brought Murasaki. So now she's at court. That's kind of the setup. There's a lot of women with the emperor and the women are like many places all over the world, even now used to gain political power through strategic marriages, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. Um, but the women had salon and different, um, you know, again, this really reminds me of like, again, it proves how behind the West is, um, like how many 800 years later, like <laughs> no, mm-hmm. 700 years later, six to 700 years later, the West catches on and they have these salon, like beautiful clothes. But anyway, um, the time, yeah. Yeah. So she, Shoshi wanted and or Mishinaga on behalf of his daughter would have wanted to create her own salon. Cause much like in France, they were competitive ones. You want a popular ones, not popular ones, so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. So Shoshi was very serious. I think she wouldn't have been allowed to have much of a nice childhood considering her father. And so um, Morisaki's brought in and she's, I think would have been brought in a, to help kind of cultivate that salon for Shoshi, but also to be someone who can teach her. And so um, there's another very famous woman, Sai um, Shonagon, and I'm so sorry if I'm saying all of this wrong. I really did listen to recordings, I promise. And she wrote something called The Pillow Book, and she had been a lady-in-waiting to Taishi, the other empress. So it seems like maybe there is that competition. Murasaki's invited to be a rival, like truly. And Murasaki basically... I mean, not basically, definitely considered Shonagon her rival. Hmm. But they weren't there at the same time, but the influence that the pillow book had and still continues to have to this day is is quite strong. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, very interesting. But of um, Shonagon, Murasaki wrote that she was dreadfully conceited. She thought herself so clever, littering, littered her writing with Chinese characters, which left a great deal to be desired. <laughs> <laughs> Yay. Um, And remember, Chinese was something that women weren't supposed to know. So Murasaki basically pretended she, like, didn't know Chinese. So she wrote in Japanese, and she's like, oh, there's that conceited woman who's writing in (laughs) Chinese. And it's like, no. But what's interesting is, at the same time, Murasaki's teaching Shoshi Chinese. (laughs) And it really helps to kind of create this very, I mean, one of the scholars calls it a subversive thing that they're doing. Um, and yeah, even in her own diaries, Murasaki calls it secret and she didn't really say anything, but she, not a lot of people liked her as we kind of talked about. And she just like, you know, she was given this nickname called the lady of Chronicles and it was meant to be, like kind of a way to denigrate a woman for like being too public, too learned, too educated. And in her diary, she wrote, how utterly ridiculous would I, who hesitate to reveal my learning to my women at home, ever think of doing so at court? So she's like, you think I would ever talk to any of you? I don't even tell people I know and love. Right. right. So there. Um, You tell them. Yeah, she did. She did. So yeah, she is writing with Chinese though. She is incorporating it, but she's like, no, I'm not. You know, it's very interesting. Um, a lot of debate about whether or not she liked being in court. She didn't love the cult, the culture at court. There were a lot of drunkenness. There were courtiers. Everyone had affairs with everyone, which is really interesting to me 
I'm so confused. I need to read more about this. There's mm. a lot of very intricate social dynamics that I'm clearly not educated enough to know. So please, if you do know, let me know because I'm really curious or if you have a good resource. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H-E-L-P. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Um, so because she was like, yeah, there's all these drunken people and they're all having affairs and interesting, but also like the women are meant to be barely seen and not heard at all. You know, like mm -hmm. I find it really, really interesting, but it, it does seem like these two worlds are happening at the same time, the women's branch and the men's branch. And so, yeah, I find it very interesting. So but it also, I mean, in, mm -hmm. in the wealthy circles, especially in this own little micro world, I feel like people could be crazy. I mean, like Versailles was, everyone was mad. <laughs> that is true. That is also when you have when you have enough when you have enough money, you know. Yeah. Well, but they wouldn't; their noses would be accustomed to it, wouldn't they? No, because people were peeing in the corners of the palace. Sure, sure. I think I don't know if anyone gets used to that smell. As a sure. born and bred That's... New Yorker, do you not? You do smell urine when you not walk frequently. On the I, I'm going to be honest about that. Not really? frequently. Yeah. Oh man, interesting. <laughs> maybe you don't have a lot of dogs around you anyway <laughs> no. maybe so at the same time all this is happening the lady murasaki is writing one of the greatest works of literature pretty much ever um people call it the first novel the first psychological novel mm. regardless it's an incredible work like it's an incredible work um mm -hmm. and like any work written by a woman that's incredible that we don't have an original thing of. They're like, mm, was it written by her? How much did she write? I'm I'm going to go ahead and just say that's stupid. Mm -hmm. And that she wrote it. And I'm, I'm until someone gives me the most convincing evidence otherwise, I'm going to view that as a really sexist thing. So yeah, that sounds good. There we go. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So her name that I've been referring to as Murasaki Shiki, um, Shikibu is actually mm -hmm. taken from the main female character from the novel. And because, and the Shikibu is based on her, like this position her father held. Um, mm -hmm. So that's why she's known that way. And Murasaki is meant to be this, it's kind of a, it's meant to be this, it's a color. It's like this purple color from my mm -hmm. understanding. Mm -hmm. um, so Tale of Genji. Definitely finished before 1021. 
there are 54 chapters, which is wild. And it's generally split up into three books, although that's happened kind of after the fact. It's been done by scholars, with the first book being split into two sections as well. So the first book being like basically the main story. I don't think I've actually read the other two books. I've just read the first book. So Mm -hmm. Genji's born. He is the son, not important son, of a not important concubine of an emperor. Then a woman, the lady Fuji uh, Fujitsubo. I'm trying. I'm so sorry. Fujitsubo. I actually wrote things phonetically and that's not helping me at all. Okay. Fujitsubo um, becomes one of the new emperor's wives. And Genji's like, wow, she's a pretty stepmom. But then he's like, wait do I want to sleep with you? Oh my God. And so he's actually married to someone else and he's sleeping with anything that moves, but he's like, this isn't satisfying me. Mm. Um, uh, He does, however, father a child with his official stepmother. So that's something. Okay. And that child ends up becoming an emperor. Fun fact. Sure. Sure. But in doing so, he finds a, and I quote, beautiful 10-year-old girl. Great. What and is she's this, Lolita? Niece. I mean, listen, to quote, what was her name? <laughs> Nora Ephron. Mm. Everything is copy, my friend Chloe. Everything. So well, yeah. <laughs> turns we're out finding this source. I know. That this little girl, who's known as Murasaki is the niece of the lady Fujitsubo. And so Mm -hmm. he kidnaps her. Great. Brings her to his palace and grooms her. I'm going to go ahead and say it. Grooms her to be like lady Fujitsubo, who is the ideal. Mm -hmm. However, he's still sleeping with Fujitsubo and they have a kid. Weird. Weird. But everyone's like, oh, it's the emperor's kid. But they're like, (laughs) we know the truth. But that boy, Ray... Uh, Razi becomes the crown prince and she's the main empress and whatever, but everyone's like, ha, ha, ha. In the meanwhile, Genji and his wife reconcile, but she has a kid and then dies, so that's sad. And then mm-hmm. he is like, Murasaki, are you old enough? Great, we're going to get married. So he gets married. His father, the emperor, dies. Uh, what his age is old brother, enough? Uh, probably something too young. I'm going to go yeah. ahead and say... I'm not comfortable with how young he was. Yeah, of course, of course. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. So he succeeded by a brother and um, whose mom was like a rival of Genji's. And then they expose all of his love affairs. And Genji had been sleeping with one of the new emperors, Suzaku's concubines, and they're discovered um, in flagrante. And so sure. um, he, Suzaku, like, goes like, hey, bro, that's kind of funny. But, like, unfortunately, officially, I have to exile you. So he's exiled. And then a man entertains Genji uh, and, like, kind of houses him. And the man is um, Akashi Novice is what it looks like. Um, and, mm-hmm. of course, Genji, what does he do? 
as a thank you? What do you think he does? He has an affair with her daughter. That his daughter. That's sure. right. So sure, then sure. Akashi's daughter gives birth to Genji's only daughter, who becomes an empress. I have a lot of questions. We're still going. Weird. Yeah. Suzaku's like, oh, my brother. I feel bad, and my eyes hurt, and his mom is like dying. So he's like, you know what? I miss my bro Genji. I want him back. Genji returns to Kyoto. Lady Fujitsubo and his son Reizei becomes the new emperor. I'm assuming Suzaku dies. It's been a long time since I've read this official thing. Mm-hmm. So Genji's son, who knows Genji's his real dad, is like, Daddy, I'm you're like a the highest rank you could be. So mm-hmm. then Genji turns 40, which is when men's lives start to go down, right? Um, Interesting, yeah. So he marries another woman and known as like the third princess. And then Genji's nephew rapes her and then bears a, another son, Kaoru, who's legally known as Genji's son. So it's kind of like how Reizei is officially the old emperor's son, but is actually Genji's. It's like the other way around. Mm-hmm. Genji having married the third princess, Murasaki's like, you know what I would really love to do and I kind of wanted to do my whole life before you groomed me is I want to be a nun. And Genji's like, "Mm, no. Then she dies. And Genji's like, oh, life is fleeting. And then, (laughs) which is really interesting. There's a chapter called um, Kumugakure, which is called Vanished Mm -hmm. Into the Clouds. And it's blank, Mm -hmm. which is like, it's kind of implied that Genji dies. Like, such a cool way to play with the form. So artistic. So interesting. I know. And then the story kind of continues. Kaoru is this, like, anti-hero. He sucks. I'm not shocked that he sucks. So, Mm -hmm. anyway, Mm -hmm. it's a really interesting tale, and there's a lot of themes that run throughout it, but one of the main things is that we have great information about court life, right? And it mm-hmm. seems mm-hmm. to be this kind of I I don't know. At one point I wonder, and I only reread part of it, but like I kind of wonder whether or not she's using this as a criticism of the culture. It's hard to tell. So, like, for example, she has this very famous quote, um, and it's here's it's kind of long, but I think it's important because I again it, I have so many questions about how serious she is. So she says, "I have finally realized how rarely you will find a flawless woman, one who is simply perfect. No doubt there are many who seem quite promising, write a flowing hand, give you back a perfectly acceptable poem, and all in all do credit enough to the rank they have to uphold." But you know, if you insist on any particular quality, you seldom find one who will do. Each one is all too pleased with her own accomplishments, runs others down, and so on. While a girl is under the eye of her adoring parents and living a sheltered life, bright with future promise, it seems men have only to hear of some little talent of hers to be attracted. As long as she is pretty and innocent and young enough to have nothing else on her mind, she may well put her heart into learning a pastime that she has seen others enjoy. And in fact, she may become quite good at it. And when those who know her dis- who, who know her disguise her weaknesses and advertise whatever passable qualities she may have so as to present them in the best light, 
How could anyone think ill of her, having no reason to suspect her of being other than she seems? But when you look further to see whether it is all true, I am sure you can only end up disappointed. Hmm. I have a lot of questions. Yeah. Because you know what it reminds me of? Hmm. One of my favorite books ever, Pride and Prejudice, right? Mm-hmm. They, there's a debate happening in the Bingley's house about the whether or not you can call a woman accomplished, right? And Darcy goes on – Mr. Darcy, not my dog, obviously. Although my dog's namesake. Goes on and on about, like, mm, you need to have all these qualities and I don't think I know, like, any women. And Lizzie's like, <laughs> right. I'm really shocked that you know any of them because – what is – and this is in the movie, too. She says, I have never heard of such a woman, but she would certainly be a fearsome thing to behold if she had all of these qualities, right? So right. there's part of me that's, like – and Darcy's like, are you so severe on your own gender? Like, you don't think that? And she's like, no, I just, that's not a thing. Like, that's not a thing, you know? Yeah, like, you created that would be a, a lot. A perfect person that is too perfect. Yeah. So I, part of me is like, is this the same thing? Is she like, is she making fun of them? So a lot of the book feels that way. Um, <laughs> and I have a lot of questions about it. But yeah, I, <laughs> I just really love that her personality comes through and the writing is not in a style that's hard for us to understand, right? Like <laughs> I think sometimes we would think of an archaic novel as being really difficult for a modern reader, but that's not the case. And yes, that could be a credit to the translation that's being used. But I think also there are translations like of Homer that are just like, I'm so sorry, this is something I want to read, you know? Mm -hmm. I just think it's really interesting. So yeah, it's a it's a reminder of one of my favorite things, which is that people are people always. Yeah, I mean truly, right? Like yeah. had the same thoughts, same fears throughout history. Yeah. Well, no, I mean you know things change obviously, but <laughs> at at the, the the base core of it all remains the same. Crazy. Yeah. So something I love about her writing as well is it's deeply poetic. I mean, it's really really beautiful. Mm -hmm. Um, so one of the quotes is, I leave you to go the road we all must go. The road I would choose, if only I could, is the other. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Um, and then did we, did, I think this is what Genji says to Murasaki when she's like, I'd love to leave you. Um, he goes, did we not, did not we vow that we neither of us be either before or after the other, even in traveling the last journey of life? And can you find it in your heart to leave me now? I think she would have probably said yes. Mm. But there you go. Um, but one of my favorite quotes is really interesting because I think it has to, I think it's just her talking about being a writer. So this is talking about storytelling. She says, we are not told of things, and this is in Genji. This is in the tale of Genji. We are not told of things mm -hmm. that happen to specific people exactly as they happened. But the beginning is when there are good things and bad things. Things that happen in this life, which one never tires of seeing and hearing about. Things which one cannot bear not to tell of and must pass on for all generations. If the storyteller wishes to speak well, then he chooses the good things. And if he wishes to hold the reader's attention, he chooses bad things, extraordinarily bad things good things and bad things alike. They are things of this world and no other. Writers in other countries approach the matter differently. Old stories in our own are different from new. There are differences in the degree of seriousness, but to dismiss them as lies is itself to depart from the truth. 
even in the writ which the Buddha drew from his noble heart, are parables, devices for pointing obliquely at the truth. To the ignorant, they may seem to operate at cross-purposes. The greater vehicle is full of them, but the general burden is always the same. The difference between enlightenment and confusion is of about the same order as the difference between the good and the bad in a romance. If one takes the generous view, then nothing is empty and useless. Hmm. Right? I'm fine. (laughs) So this is a book, is a story that children in Japan are still taught today. They are taught to read, to study, and it is an incredibly influential piece of literature. Um, And I just think it's extraordinary. And the other piece that she's most well-known for is, of course, her own diary. So something that happens with the tale of Genji is that there's um, a illustrated hand scroll of it that's produced potentially in the beginning of the 12th century. So just about 100 years after the initial tale would have been. I'm going to use the word published. Mm-hmm. Not a good mm-hmm. word for it, but you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there are some surviving scrolls of it. Um, not all of them, but it's there. Like, do you know how rare that is? Sorry, I'm fine. Um, oh, yeah. It's so exciting. It's so exciting. <laughs> <laughs> it's cool because you not only see, like, Genji's already a classic 100 years later, right? Mm-hmm. Like, it's already, like, we're going to devote an immense resource and money to create this incredible piece of art. And the mm-hmm. calligraphy that's used is really cool. Um, it's of that type, I was saying, that's kind of part of that uh, kind of lyrical early Japanese right. written right. language. Right, right, right. Yeah. Um. But also, it's an extremely emotional drawing. Like, there's a lot, which is not something I had generally thought of, of kind of picture scrolls that I've seen of Japanese people in, like, earlier styles, much like early medieval styles are just like, I mean, at least these people are proportionally correct. The West couldn't get that yet. But, you know, the, the faces weren't of the huge thing, but that's not the case. Like, this is, it like the oldest surviving picture scroll of its type. And Mm -hmm. it's, yeah, it's just really cool. And it's definitely done in the style of the Chinese artwork similar to it, which is really curious considering how Genji was itself like formulated. So I'm just like living for it. It's really beautiful. We will post photos of it. And yes, yeah, there it's basically just like a way to illustrate this really evocative book. And it's a really like, really interesting book um Mm -hmm. and eventually her part of her diary is also illustrated in like the 13th and 17th centuries and so what's funny is like there's a picture or painting of um the drunk courtiers that she's just like disparaging it's beautiful i love it And you can see them walking, the women walking in the garden, and you see them with their beautiful robes and their hair and the style. Like, it's just really, really beautiful work. And Mm -hmm. we also see depictions of her writing, which I love. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. And these aren't contemporary, but it's still just something that's exciting for me, you know? Of course. Um, And yeah, so... I also wanted to read 
just it's exciting for me when we have an author like I know I end up reading a lot about their work but obviously they could talk about themselves a lot better than I could ever talk about them so she says this of how basically unhappy she was at the court she says I longed for snow while we were staying there but just then I had to go home to my parents two days after retiring from the court a great snow came The old familiar trees of my home reminded me of those melancholy years when I used to gaze upon them, musing when the colors of flowers, the voices of birds, the skies of spring and autumn, moon shadows, frost and snow, told me nothing but that time was revolving and that I was menaced with a dreary future. Before I went to court, I tried to avoid sadness by writing to those who were in the same state of mind, even to those with whom I was only slightly acquainted, and associating with them, I consoled my heart in various ways. Although an unimportant person, I had passed my life without feeling any sort of contempt of myself until I went to court. Since then, alas, I have experienced all of the bitterness of it. Today, I took out romances, but they no longer interested me. I was ashamed to think what those melancholy persons to whom I used to write had thought of me since I went to court, so I had no courage to write to them again. Those with whom I am now intimate would have to publish my letters broadcast, so how can I write them in in, in my inmost heart? Thus, my letters have inadvertently grown few. I had a feeling that association with some of the younger ladies who used to visit me before I went to court would not continue. Some of them I had to refuse when they came, and in my home, all these trifles have made me feel more deeply that I have gone into a world not intended for me. I write only to those from whom I can never part, to whom my heart prompts me to speak. O worthless heart that feels love only for those with whom it daily associates. I long for Lady Dinagon, with whom I spent every night before the Queen, when we told each other all our heart secrets. It is also my worldly heart that longs for a companion other than Buddha. Mm. It's incredible. Mm. That's her diary. Yeah, she's she's putting some some thought into that writing. Mm-hmm. It's it's so self reflective. It's extraordinary. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. But also, it's oh. not like, today I went to the market. No. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like, it's like it's a it's storytelling at its finest. <laughs> truly, truly. And this next thing I want to read of hers is what kind of caused me to start questioning Genji as like a, a completely straight version of itself, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So she says... And this is kind of in vain with what we had talked about earlier with like people saying she sucked. (laughs) She's like, whatever. Um, She says, I see that I have been slighted, hated, and looked down upon as an old gossip. And I must bear it, for it is my destiny to be solitary. The queen said once, quote, you were ever mindful not to show your soul, but I have become more intimate with you than others. I hope that I may not be looked at obliquely, even by those who are ill-natured, affected, and unsociable. As a rule, one is easy at the back, who is modest, gentle, and of tranquil disposition. Even a coquettish and frivolous person is not rebuked if she is good-looking and of a disposition not embarrassing to others. A person who is self-exalted and eccentric with scornful mouth and and a demeanor can be unmistakably perceived, and one can be on one's guard. By observing closely, one may discover faults of speech and behavior. Those whose words and deeds are not in harmony or who are always trying to outdo one another attract notice. One who seldom wishes to criticize those who have defects but are good-natured. One cannot but sympathize with them. Those who habitually do evil with intention deserve to be freely talked about and laughed at, even though they sometimes do it without intention. 
We ought to love even those who hate us, but it's very difficult to do it. Even the Buddha of profound mercy does not say that the sins against Buddha, the laws of religion and priests are slight. Moreover, in this muddy world, it is best to let alone the persons who hate us. If we compare one who tries to excel in hatred, saying extraordinary words and watching their effect ill-humoredly face-to-face with one who coldly hides her heart with a tranquil manner, we can see which one is superior. <laughs> so iconic. Truly. So with that in mind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hmm. I have a question. <laughs> okay. Especially yeah. considering like the weight, like the world in which she was writing Genji. If this is her yeah. private thought, this is the world of her private thoughts, right? Then she's yeah, surrounded yeah, yeah. by women who are able to most likely be more free with each other than they would have ever been in public. Because it's right. completely isolated. Assume. Yeah, right. And she's most likely writing this for those ladies. Yeah. And she writes yeah. Genji, who I'm just going to say it, sucks. He sucks. Right. Mm-hmm. Hmm? I don't know. <laughs> That's me. I don't know. Yeah. Just a thought or two. Yeah. I mean, is she, like, trying to demonstrate how sucky like (laughs) i think well that's kind of what i was thinking exactly yeah 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 like it's a satire almost Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. beautifully written very evocative tranquil you know the the there was like a section of the internet that's like all of murasaki's quotes about cherry blossoms like it's beautiful work right right yeah yeah but I'm also like, hmm, I have questions. Such an interesting person. Yeah. Truly, truly. Again, I mean, another she, one I want to ask. She clearly her. has thoughts, you know, and we love to yeah. see that. That women have thoughts? It's really nice, I know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I think I think the subtext of that is like opposing thoughts, which is even crazier. Yeah. Thoughts that are different from what you would expect or what she probably was allowed to be thinking, which yeah. is crazy. Yeah. And, and it's recorded. I'm sure Ugh. because you can't help but be a part of a culture. I'm sure she's also battling with some cognitive dissonance. I mean, those passages both read of someone who's really mm. contemplating things, right? Yeah. Yeah. But we have to remember that like we're coming at this with literally 1100 years of experience. Oh, yeah, of course. Of course. So it's going to be... Is that math? Whatever. I can't do it. Um, <laughs> right? 1100 I, and something. I'm going to go ahead or, and say yes. And if someone's going to correct me, just know I don't care. I don't care about math. You do it. Anyway. Yeah. So, you tell him. Fuck math. Oh, God. I'm sorry. I tried really hard not to curse this much. It <laughs> happened. I don't regret it. So. Every time I, I want the listener to know I've said this before, but there's a little um, when I'm uploading it, there's a little button that I have to click if anything explicit was said. So I have to like <laughs> I have to like watch you like I'm, mm-hmm. you know, like the the mm-hmm. board of censorship of the United States. I'm like, <laughs> there it is. My favorite is at and one point you're clicking like, the box. <laughs> I literally was like at one point you're like, you made it really far this time. And I was like, thanks. <laughs> you know, I, it's it's sometimes I just like if I have loosened my hawk eye on it, 
Sometimes mm. I just click the explicit box just because I'm sure at some point something yeah. was said. Yeah, it's just, you know. <laughs> but do you disagree with my sentiment? No, never. Thank you. Blanket statement, fun. never. <laughs> well, I feel like you should at some point. Some things I'm like, I disagree nah. with. Honestly. Nah. In this regard. <laughs> yeah. No, I agree. I agree. <laughs> so she ends up retiring from court, as we kind of heard in that um in some of her writings and she's surrounded by this like really beautiful mansion. I think she retires with Shoshi um, and she's at least there with Shoshi in the last thing we find recorded of Murasaki in 1013 mm-hmm. and um, seems like Shoshi was like, yeah, I'm peacing out. I don't want to deal with this crap. And so they would get to retire in like extreme luxury. Like some emperors fully just like abdicated because they're like, yeah, I don't care enough. Um, and they're like, I yeah. have so much money. I just want to live my life devoted to literature and religion and stuff. Relatable. Um, yeah. <laughs> so we don't quite know much like we don't know exactly when she was born necessarily. Mm-hmm. Generally speaking, she is said to have passed away around the year 12, 1014, 1214. Can you imagine? Oh my God. 1014. Uh-huh. And yeah. So some people agree that she could have been at ceremonies with Shoshi for her son who became an emperor around 1025, but it's, it's just really hard to gauge. Um, so her daughter ends up entering court service in around 1025 and she was a wet nurse to a guy who becomes a future emperor. And then she herself becomes a really well-known poet known as um, Daini no Sanmi. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so she's like immediately a celebrity. Like I don't think we're talking about someone who wasn't a celebrity in her own time. I think she's very much a celebrity in her own time. Mm-hmm. And she has these three major works. It's her diary, Tale of Genji, and a collection of like a hundred and something poems. I mean, amazing. And Mm -hmm. she's, like I said, a lot of it is what she's writing in Kana. Yeah. Kana. It's the, the script. Um, and they're literally creating their own language, which is wild. Mm -hmm. Um, and Genji's written in Kana, which I hope I'm saying correctly. Um, so it's like very revolutionary again in that way. Mm -hmm. And yeah, so she, a lot of the original bit of like the original manuscript for Genji is not with us, but older ones are. And like w- even within the 12th century, there the 12th century, there were scholars coming together to like create the ultimate version of Genji, like to copy the illustrate, like the forms of it and to create like the official version of it. Like that's how legit it was, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like immediately. And <laughs> Genji becomes this otherworldly thing. And I think it, I don't know if it contains all of the multitudes that I'm trying to read into it necessarily. Um, But Murasaki becomes this like example of what a good bride should be, which is really upsetting. Um, But these, some of the screens of Genji, and it's called Genji, Genji A, which is like, Genji inspired things like dowry sets, lacquer boxes, screens. Mm-hmm. Um, oh yeah. So this is the other thing with the blackening of the teeth, darker 
colors like black lacquer, all of that, it's said to be very expensive and it has this air about it, which is why like another reason why the teeth would be darker. Yeah. And so, yeah. So Murasaki herself is also this like virtuous poet and this like woman we can be inspired um, by. And she also is herself like a subject for artists to show writing and mm-hmm. it's become so many other things. But again, the tale of Genji is something that like they compare her in the way that Austin and Shakespeare are the great writers of like England. She is to Japan. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I mean, it's just really incredible. So there's a tale of Genji museum. There are um, just like really incredible exhibits Um Women dressed up in two th- oh, 2008 was the 1,000th anniversary of Genji. And mm-hmm. women dressed in the 12-layer Heian Court um, Junihito, which which are those amazing um, robes. There was a 2,000 yen note commemorating her. And a plant bearing purple berries has been named after her because purple is the Murasaki. And, I mean, she's just continued to be this literary force that has definitely taken on a life of its own um Mm -hmm. like how many you know many of those things happen but I just when you go back and read like so many of the times when we read about authors and pieces that become more than the writers themselves right so -hmm. we have all these scholars who are writing official things but something about going back into the context of the person who's writing that piece Mm -hmm. always informs it always informs because you can't separate the two so yeah i i want to go i'm gonna go read the tale of genji again having reread her diaries um because yeah i'm just really curious but i it's been so exciting to learn about this era in japan and i i really don't know enough about it and i'm there's a couple books now that i have on my list that i so i'm really excited (laughs) but yeah that's (laughs) Murasaki Shikibu. Ugh. So deeply iconic. Right? Yeah. Every time. Truly. Just obsessed. No. And like there it was hard for me to pick things to quote. (laughs) I'm like, I I want to take a trip to the library. Right? Yeah. I'm when I say I had a really hard time picking things to quote, it's because there were many iconic things to quote. Yeah. Her diary's not that long. So I that's a good one to start with. Mm-hmm. But obsessed. 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 Yeah. So I guess we turn it to the listener to go and explore more. Please do. And please let me know if I've misunderstood something, don't understand the significance of something. Um, mm-hmm. Because this has been like, I feel like I'm at the beginning of my learning process for this part of the world during this time so i'm really excited but um yeah yeah. or if you have good recommendations for books Mm, mm -hmm. i feel like these these episodes are like a brief overview a hopefully more accurate (laughs) you know like Mm bite-size chunk of the story and then like if you're interested take a deeper dive you know yeah well i think also i mean this is i i read the tale of genji but i didn't look I didn't know anything about her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't think I even realized but it, provi- it, was it provides by a so woman. much context for the yeah. stories. Yeah. Like, I don't think I remember 
anyone saying it was written by a woman. Mm-hmm. And this is something that's so integral to it's so wildly an important. amazing yeah. culture. And we're just like, who? <laughs> you know, I think it's it, just been, <laughs> yeah, someone that we should know. Yeah. Although we do not know her by her official name. But, well, hey. You know. Yeah, but, hey, now we all know a little bit more. Yay. Yay. And we I will watch. post a ton of a stuff robe. on the Instagram. <laughs> yeah. Yes, there's so <laughs> many things more to a post. robe. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> oh, yes. Amazing. So stay tuned. If you haven't, give our previous episodes a listen. I don't know why. Just do it. And then please subscribe, subscribe, like review. Mm. Yeah, let us know your thoughts in a nice way because we're we're gentle people. <laughs> we're delicate. Don't hurt. Us. We're we're delicate. And uh, thanks yeah. for listening. We'll talk to you in a month. Mm-hmm.